This is the second week in our series that we're calling Checkpoints. We're defining checkpoints as places along the way that we are stopped for two things. One for inspection, and the second is for clearance. We're inspected to see if we are ready to go to the next level. There's checkpoints between countries. Sometimes there's checkpoints within uh, one country where you're going from one part of the country to the next. But we're not talking about locational checkpoints. We're talking about spiritual checkpoints along the way where our lives are inspected to see if we're ready to go on to the next place with God. The New Testament makes it clear that the coming out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land is a great analogy of our relationship with God. It really brings up one of the great themes, not only in the scripture, but in all of the world, and that is the theme that every human being born, I believe, innately has embedded inside of them, and that is the desire for freedom. So in this story, we hear God's people who have been in slavery for 400 years, and they are wanting, and God is wanting them to be free. And so this story today that we're going to share is actually the story of them coming out of Egypt for the very first time through the Red Sea. Even if you've never read that story in the Bible, you've probably seen the movie. It's the great scene where Charleston Heston raises his staff, the Red Sea parts, and they go through. But today, instead of reading the scripture and then preaching the message, I think I'm going to take it Uh, verse by verse. So I'm going to be looking at uh, Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to be beginning with verse 5. While you're getting there, though, just to reiterate, freedom is, I think, universally a desired trait. We saw uh, in our own lifetime the Berlin Wall come down. We saw President Reagan uh, shake his finger and say, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And uh, I actually have a piece of that wall at home, of the Berlin Wall, to remind me of the importance of freedom. And uh, we also uh, saw the Soviet Union uh, collapse and countries begin declaring uh, their freedom. Uh, It's a very, very exciting time in our lifetime to see this theme of freedom. As recently as this week, we are seeing in Egypt an upheaval in that country. Why? Because there is a desire in people's hearts to be free. But before even diving into the scripture, I want to say spiritually, this is the first point this morning, that following Christ is freedom from sin. John 8, 36 says, He that the Son has set free is free indeed. And so just like in the Old Testament, they're coming out of Egypt. In the New Testament, we are coming out of a lifestyle of sin. And following Christ is freedom from sin. Now, I want to begin reading verse 5 of Exodus chapter 14. And verse 5 says this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We've let the Israelites go, and we have lost their services. So imagine the story, if you will. Pharaoh has finally agreed after the plagues to let God's people go, 
But as soon as they're out of town, it suddenly dawns on them, wait a minute, we just lost our entire and most valuable workforce. I mean, if we let the Israelites go, it's going to change the economy of Egypt, it's going to change everything in Egypt. And uh, so the next point that I want to make for us this morning to make this analogy about sin is that this, Satan does not want to lose our services. He doesn't want to lose our services. In other words, if you are working for the enemy, if you're working uh, for Satan, if you are a slave to sin, and by the way, being in sin is slavery. Uh, we, we act out of all of our instincts and all of our desires. We're a slave to our passions, our physical desires. We're slaves when we're in sin. And so when we come to the Lord... Uh, Satan does not want to lose our services, and just like there was in Star Wars, the empire will strike back. And so there is definitely a backlash. So God's people are beginning to come out, and Pharaoh uh, immediately regrets it, and he starts after God's people. Now last Sunday I got to go to Water Angels Ministry, downtown uh, ministry in Knoxville, Tennessee, that works with the homeless, underprivileged, and there's a church service on Sunday afternoons. They have laundry for the uh, homeless. They feed them. They clothe them. They've got drug rehabilitation ministries, all kinds of things. And it was a wonderful thing to get a tour from the head of Water Angels Ministries, uh, Stephanie Mitchum, and she was explaining, she was actually pointing out certain people to me and saying, this guy that you see over there, and he's helping to serve today, he used to be one of the biggest drug dealers in this region. There was another lady that uh, we saw that was uh, working in the ministry, and he said, see that lady over there? She used to live on the streets, but today she is a nurse. And that lady heard her telling her story, and she said, that's right. She said, I used to camp out nasty, is the way she put it. I used to live out on the streets of uh, Knoxville and camp out nasty, is what she said. But now I'm living for the Lord. Now when we come to the Lord, Satan does not want to lose our services. So if you have warfare in your life, it's a compliment that you are making progress and you're moving out of slavery and into freedom. And as a result of that, there is going to be a backlash. Don't be surprised when the enemy gets rustled when your life begins to change. Now I want to skip down to verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You hear what's happening there? Here they are, they're coming out of Egypt, and before they've gotten anywhere, before they've even gotten to the Red Sea, they're already saying, wait a minute. At least we knew what was expected of us while we were in Egypt. We could die in Egypt just as easy as we could die here. And, and so that's the next point that I want to make for us this morning, and that is this, that slaves learn slave values. Slaves learn slave values. 
When you're a slave, someone else sets your schedule for, for you. Someone else feeds you. Your clothes are provided. I was uh, talking to my brother who is a, uh, a nurse in the federal prison system. And we were talking about this issue called recidivism. Recidivism is a big word that simply means repeat offenders. People that have been in prison and that return back to prison. And the statistics are astounding. 70% of people who are in prison, when they are released, go back into prison. One reason, Attorney John Gleisner says, is because prisoners learn prison values. There's a process that he calls prisonization that takes place. And so, imagine that these folks that are coming out of Egypt, they're, they're still thinking like slaves. They've still got a slave mindset. That they don't know the value of freedom. They, they don't know that it's, it's better to be dead and free than it is to be a slave and to have all of those things provided for them. They don't know the sweetness of freedom. Think about it. 400 years. Not only were they slaves, but their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. Being free is a wonderful thing, but it does bring some complication to your life. Because instead of just going to the food line, suddenly you've got to begin to provide for yourself. There was a song that I I learned when I was in junior high, and that's actually the title of today's message, The Emancipation Blues. But I had a, a solo, it was one line, and it went like this. According to the laws of our nation... We're free to leave the plantation. But instead of being happy, we've got emancipation blues. Ooh, emancipation blues. Have you ever had emancipation blues? That's the, that, that's the fact that you've been set free from something, but there is that pull back toward what we have been set free from. And so we see, just like in people that go back to prisoners, sometimes baby Christians don't make it. And we see that and we wonder why that is. Part of the reason that is is because there is a mindset that gets learned from being in that lifestyle uh, for so long. Continuing to read our scriptures down to verse 13 now, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after me. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. What I want to say about this point is this. Being free is not your problem salvation doesn't belong to you getting out of egypt and getting to the promised land 
while we are on the journey, we're not responsible for the journey. What I want to say this morning is this. Salvation belongs to our God. In fact, in the book of Revelation, where the elders and the angels are crying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, one of the other phrases that they are crying is this. Salvation belongs to our God. Why do you think they're crying salvation belongs to our God? Because not only was salvation, our initial salvation, God's idea, we didn't come to Christ because we were smart enough, that we were good enough, but we came to Christ because Christ pursued us. Not only did he start the process, but he's the one who brought us through every trial, every temptation, every situation, Every checkpoint, if you will, it was God who brought it through us all, and He's the one who finishes the work. What I want to say to you that are listening this morning online today is that He who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, in the passage I read, there is something that we are supposed to do in terms of what are we responsible for. According to the scripture, our job is this. One, don't panic. Don't freak out when the first time that you see trouble come along when you, when you give your life to Christ. We're not surprised by this. We are not unaware of the enemy's devices. So don't panic. Next is stand firm. Hold your ground. Don't turn around. You've got, you've got temptation that is, uh, that, that is behind you, that is uh, trying to draw you back. The Scripture says, stand firm. Sometimes the most powerful thing that we can do is stand. In fact, the Scripture that talks about the armor of God says, stand there, having on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Standing is a very, very powerful thing. So stand firm. And then he said, move on. I just think that that little phrase there might be a phrase for somebody today. Maybe you've even slipped. Maybe you've turned around. Maybe you've committed a sin. You came to the Lord and you found yourself slipping back. You know what? And that's when the enemy's job is to say, you can't make it. You're no good. You're no good. You're no good, baby. You're no good. When the enemy says that to you, our responsibility is move on. So what? You messed up. Join the rest of humanity. But move on. Verse 19, Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night... The cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry ground. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, that's the darkest time of night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and clouded the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. 
He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. What struck me when I read this passage was not just that God opens up the Red Sea and they walk through. What strikes strikes me about this passage is the detail that Moses writes to us when he writes this story in Exodus to us. The detail of how God does it is so personal. And that's, that's my next point this morning. Your freedom is personal to God. This is not just some, this is not just some watchmaker God who set things into motion and then just turned them loose and let the world run its course. This is a God who is very personally interested in your freedom and in your salvation. Did you, did you check out how this story went? It didn't just say that the waters parted. It said, no, the cloud moved from the front to the back. Then this angel comes down. Then the fire moves from the front to the back. And he makes one side bright and one side dark so that they couldn't see each other through the night. And then it says that God got right down into the wheels of their chariots and, and, uh, and, and he jammed their wheels. Now that's personal. That, that, that's, a, that's a very personal description, uh, description of how God gets involved in their freedom. Let me just tell you this morning, those of you that are listening today, God knows everything about you. He, consider the lilies, the scripture says. They don't toil and spin, but Solomon was not, was not arrayed near as beautiful as just the lily of the field. If God does that for the lily of the field, how much more does he care for you? He knows the very hairs on your head. He's got them numbered. God cares deeply about you, and he is interested personally in your freedom. You know the end of the story, how that, how that God's people make it through, and then Moses raises his, his staff again, and then the waters uh, come back, and, and, the, uh, and the Egyptians uh, that day are um, completely eradicated. The last point that I want to make to us this morning is this. You can be completely set free. You just need to memorize that as like a little mantra for yourself. You can be completely set free. Or say it about yourself. I can be, I can be completely set free. Completely set free. The scripture that we read, God promises this thing about these Egyptians that are following them. He says, the Egyptians that are following you today, you will never see again. You will never see again. One of the saddest things that I think that our culture is dealing with right now is an understanding about sin, because the culture doesn't look at sin as sin, but it looks at it as some kind of psychological issues or whatever, so... Uh, for instance, alcoholism or, or, or whatever, Be- because we look at it that way, there's this, un- there's this feeling that you can never, ever completely be free, that you are a slave always to your propensities, that there's nothing that ever can be completely set free. Now, now having said that, I know there's lots of ways that God sets us free, and 
one of the great ways is through uh, 12-step programs. And so I'm a big fan of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, uh, and people that describe themselves even after they've been off of alcohol for many years as alcoholics. I don't have any problem with that. But what I want to say this morning is that no matter what you've done and no matter what you've been or what, whatever temptation is, is tempting you today, whatever it is, whatever it is, as the Apostle Paul called it, your besetting sin, the sin that so easily besets you, this is not something that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. You can be completely set free. We serve a God who is able to completely eradicate. And those Egyptians that they saw that day, they would never see those Egyptians again. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I didn't say that you'd never deal with sin again. You'll deal with sin again. You'll deal with other temptations. You'll deal with other enemies. In fact, later in the story, we're going to find that they faced all kinds of enemies on their way to the promised land and when they got to the promised land. But... Those Egyptians that they faced that day, they never had to face again. You can be, I can be, completely set free. Completely set free. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this truth of this message that when we come out of sin, when we are beginning our new walk with you, there is going to be a backlash. And even some that are listening today may be right in the heat of that battle right now. They may feel like in front of them is the Red Sea, behind them is Pharaoh's army. They don't know how they're going to get through. And uh, I just pray right now, first of all, that you would help us not to panic. Help us to understand, Lord, that God's people everywhere of, of, of all times have faced similar challenges. Help us, Lord, to stand firm. Help us to stand firm in our faith. Help us to stand firm in our, uh, our faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to move on from this point. That the place that we're standing in this moment is not going to be our staying place but we're going to pass through, and we're going to pass through the Red Sea. And then we just ask, Lord God, that you who have begun this good work in us would carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I pray right now, Lord, that for those that are struggling with particular issues in their life, whatever those issues may be, Lord, we just ask this morning... This evening, whatever time of day it is, Lord, that the listeners are listening today, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would completely set them free. And we speak freedom through the power of Jesus this morning. We bind on earth, Lord, those things that bind us, Lord, knowing that they'll be bound in heaven. And we release, Lord, your spirit right now to rush in and touch, Lord, those who are looking to you right now. We thank you for it. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that, uh, that there's no temptation that we have to face, but that you are greater than that temptation and can bring us through. In Jesus' name, amen.